Adore Him. We're, we're jumping into a series this Christmas season called Adore Him, really calling us back to examine our response to the miraculous, to the truth. And, and I love this video because snow is kind of that example. But I know some of you saw that snow and thought, ugh, that looks cold. I don't want to drive in that. It, it, this is the idea because it seems like for the most part, younger folks, kids, have this miraculous awe of snow, and the older we get, we begin to lose it for various reasons. I saw this video on the internet of this little girl, a toddler, experiencing snow for the first time. Watch this. I love her response, this wow, wow, wow. And she gets to this point where just, wow. I mean, at what point, what has happened to most of us adults that we've lost the wonder and awe of snow? And maybe because we have to drive in it or, or because um, it's, it's just painfully cold or, or maybe, maybe it's because kids are home from school and that's, that's a challenge. Whatever it is, at some point in our life, a lot of people lose the wonder of, of snow. And really in this series, we're asking us this question, have you and I got to a place where we've lost the wonder and awe of who God is and what this season really means? The fact that God sent his son Jesus for you and I to, to die for us. Have we lost the wonder? I, I dare I say we can become numb to the supernatural and miraculous around Christmas if we're not careful. And this series is really drawing us back to that, to, to singing this great Christmas song, Oh, Come, Let Us Adore Him, that challenge. And as you think about this Christmas season, I always think about all the incredible and amazing Christmas songs we sing, carols like that, Oh, Come, Let Us Adore Him. One of my favorites, Oh, Holy Night, fall on your knees. We have such powerful Christmas songs. We have some silly and, and, and crazy ones like uh, Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. <clears throat> yeah, uh, maybe you don't sing that one. I know, you, you, we're too, too spiritual for that. Um, or there's some even creepy ones like a Christmas song with the line, he sees you when you're sleeping. Like, yeah, no thanks. Um, but we have a lot of songs around Christmas. And there's a reason. Because singing is really this idea to respond to God, to respond to his power, to respond to a situation and words help us put that, it put our emotions in, in, into a praise. And that's what, what we need to get back to. Oh, come, let us adore him. Singing helps us reflect on the power of a moment. And, and I wanna talk to us about this as we bring back to the, oh, come, let us adore him. Because if we look at the book of Luke, Luke records um, so much of the, the Christmas story in such great ways. And in fact, uh, what we see in the book of Luke is really four what, what we call incarnation songs. Songs written about the incarnate Christ, Jesus, coming to our world to walk amongst us. He records these four, and, and these four really are these. There's Mary's song, Mary's Magnificate, which we're gonna talk about today, found in Luke 1, 46 to 45. There's Zachariah's song, there's the angel's song in Luke 2, 14, and Simeon's song in, in 2, 29 through 32 in the book of Luke. And, 
Mary's song, we're going to look about deeper today, but her response to the power of what God is doing in her and through her. We look at uh, Zachariah's song in his response to uh, that he and his wife Elizabeth are having a baby at their old age who was barren, and, and God opens up his mouth to speak again, and, and he writes this incredible words. We look at the angel's song as they declare and proclaim the goodness of God to the shepherds, and we look at Simeon's song and his response to the promise that God said Simeon would hold the Christ child before he died. These incarnate songs are powerful, and they're not all necessarily ones that were sung maybe just written in a poetic form. But we're gonna, for the sake of this discussion, we're gonna call them songs. And we're gonna look deeper at Mary's song. Mary's, what we call Mary's Magnificat. Her song of praise, get drawn from the first few lines of, of her praise song. Um, and when we look at this, I, I have to admit and maybe confess a little bit, um, growing up, I didn't hear a lot about this. I knew of it. Of course, I heard some about it. But it seemed that I grew up in a Protestant evangelical church, and it seems like a lot of times Protestant churches don't put as much focus on Mary's Magnificat. And maybe because the Catholic church puts a lot of focus there. And, and I don't know that one or the other is right, but we do need to give a little more time to the power of what Mary writes maybe a little more recognition to this person of Mary because what she writes and the, the, the fact that she's, she says what she says to God in response to his call is extremely powerful. And, and we're going to look at this. Mary's Magnificent. Um, as we do, we can open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. We're going to begin in verse 28. But before we do, let's pray. Lord, help us. Jesus, as we look deeper into the persona and words of your earthly mother, help us to understand what's being said and help us to let that into our lives to change us and that we would take a moment in this season to pause and reflect and regain the wonder of who you are in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter one, Mary, minding her own business, an angel Gabriel appears and says this, verse 28. And he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. She was greatly troubled, saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. And here's the verse I want you to catch, verse 37. For nothing is impossible with God. This angel appears to a teenage girl minding her own business, living in an out-of-the-way 
town that not many people knew about shows up to her and says, behold, great one. This is like somebody from Granite Falls saying God shows up to him. Now, listen, I'm not attacking Granite Falls. Granite Falls is a beautiful place. But this is the idea. It's out of the way. And, And she lived there, and she was this teenager, and the angel shows up and says, greetings, favored one, and says, God wants to use you. You're going to become pregnant, and you're going to be pregnant with, with Jesus, who will be the Messiah and free his people. And, and, and Mary goes, how is this possible? <coughs> this question isn't a question out of doubt when Mary asks. It's a question more out of curiosity. How is this possible? And the angel said, with God, all things are possible. So this is the ask. This is what the angel came to Mary for. And look at Mary's response, verse 38. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. What an amazing response. One that I can probably safely say most of us wouldn't have when asked of this kind of request from God. Let it be to me. I'm your servant. Mary says, Let it be to me. After this time, Mary then knows she needs to travel to visit her relative Elizabeth, who, who is the one who was barren, but now pregnant with John the Baptist. Mary travels, and it's, it's a bit of a journey. And in this journey, many scholars believe, is where she began to ponder more and begin to either write the words or really uh, declare in her heart the words of Mary's Magnificat. What I want to dissect and look at a little bit deeper. She had time to ponder And this is what she understood about God, through God, in in this situation that Jesus would be coming. I want to look at really four things that she points out in this, and maybe let that be a challenge to you and I, as we reflect on Mary's response to let it challenge our response. Four elements of of Mary's Magnificat. They're found in Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 46. But the first element is this. It's praise. Mary begins her song, her response with praise. She says these words. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. She writes the words, my soul magnifies. This is where we get the word magnificate which is what we've been calling this. She says, my soul magnifies, my soul glorifies the Lord. Now, this word isn't just a one time, my soul magnified, my soul glorified. This carries with it this idea of habitual, over and over, magnifying. Every time I think of Jesus, oh, my soul jumps. My soul, my soul just magnifies the greatness of our God. Oh, my soul magnifies the Lord. It just keeps going. I, I, my soul shows him to be great, to be mighty. I magnify the Lord. And she says, my spirit rejoices. I love this word rejoice, especially at Christmas. This this carries with this idea of wow, wow, wow. Just like the little kid we saw in the video earlier. My soul rejoices. Now this word is not just I have joy or I'm happy. This literally in this case means almost this jumping for joy, this exceedingly glad attitude towards God. When I think about this, my spirit jumps. 
And it's really playing back to a part we didn't read when, when uh, Mary visits Elizabeth. Elizabeth said, inside, John the Baptist, who is, uh, she's pregnant, six months pregnant, maybe a little bit more at this, at this juncture. She said, when, when I, Mary, Elizabeth says, Mary, when I saw you, the baby inside leaped for joy. Same idea. Mary says, when, when my soul thinks about you, my spirit thinks about you, I rejoice. God, you are my Savior. She begins this element of praise, putting the proper focus where it should be. Lord, I praise you. I magnify you. I rejoice when I think about you. She's understanding that this is the, what is going to take her people from bondage into freedom. And so she praises the Savior is coming. Next element she understands is, and she declares her position. She, she writes about her position. Listen to these words in 48. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. She says, she has, God has looked on me, a humble servant, the humble position. Mary's understanding, who am I? Who am I that God would choose me? I'm nothing, a, a teenage girl from an out-of-the-way little town. I, I don't have wealth. I don't have fame. I don't have power. But God chose me. Who am I? And this is the position sometimes when we understand the power of God. Like, who am I? I love how the Psalms, Psalm 8 says it. Who am I? Who is man that you're mindful of him? Who am I? These are Mary's words and her humility, understanding her lowly state. I'm just a servant girl. Who am I? And then she writes these words. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. And this is an interesting change because she goes from this, who am I, to now everyone will call me blessed. You kind of get the, 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 the tempo change kind of here? She goes from this, this humble to this, everybody will call me blessed. And you're almost asking, like, what happened to humble Mary? Like, everyone's going to call you blessed. Who do you think you are? This isn't, her attitude isn't one of pride in this case. Her attitude really is understanding in humility that God chose her and her saying, I'm in. Because there's a difference between humility and false humility. Many of you know this. False humility is like, I'm nothing, I'm nothing. God can never use me, so I'm going to stay quiet. That's not being humble. That's actually being prideful. What Mary is saying here in this moment is God I am nothing, but you chose me, and I'm in. Use me as you will. It really harkens back to her words in verse 38, where she says, Behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. She's saying, God, I surrender. I, I, Mary's not, not one. She understands the gravity of the situation, but she's not one to shrink back. She steps up and says, Here I am. Use me. What incredible faith. See, Mary knew, I think, you know, we sing the song, Mary, did you know? I don't know that she knew everything, but I know she knew enough to know what she was saying yes to was not going to be easy. She understood that what she was being, saying yes to was going to cost her. But she says, I'm in. Use me. I'm your servant. My life is for you to do, Lord, with what you will. See, Mary understood this very, very important fact about faith Faith doesn't make things easy. Faith makes things possible. Mary says, I'm just a lowly servant, but here I am. Some of us need to understand that God has chosen you. God has called you. Step up. 
It's his power. He gets the glory. It's not your reputation. You and I don't have a lot. In fact, I look at myself even up doing messages. If you would have known me in junior high and high school, I could never get in front of people. I would stutter. I, wasn't, I didn't have it all together. My life was a wreck. But God says, I chose you. And my response isn't, all right, look at me. It's, no, God is good, and here I am. Mary's humility, she says with boldness, here I am, God, use me. Mary has praise. Mary understands position in her magnificent. And third, Mary professes some profound things about God. She has profession. Let me read it to you. Verse 49, she writes, For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. She points out three facts that she's going to profess and declare that she has seen in her life. These are God's power, God's holiness, and God's mercy. These things I understand from what I know about God, what I've heard about God, and what I've seen in my life about God. She says, God is powerful. She writes, he who is mighty has done great things. She is declaring that God is the almighty, all-powerful. She's saying God is fully capable, more than enough, to do all that I could ask or imagine, beyond these things. Paul writes uh, the same kind of idea this way, for God is for us, who can be against us? God is all-powerful. Mary understands that this is not going to be easy, but God, I understand you are powerful. You are all great, all-sufficient, more than enough. She writes, declares, professes, God is powerful. He who is mighty has done great things for me. She writes these words, and holy is his name. She declares and professes his holiness, that he is pure, that he is blameless, that he is set apart. It's interesting here because what we know, Mary was just a servant girl, but Mary must have been in a home where they talked about the word of God and the prophecies because right here when, he, when she says holy is his name, she's quoting and, and going back to Isaiah's prophecy in 57.15 where Isaiah writes, holy is his name. What Mary is showing us is that she had spent time in the, the, the histories of God's word probably knew the Torah, memorized some of these, committed them to her heart, because when she declares that God is holy, she doesn't just say he is holy. She says, holy is his name. She declares, professes that God is holy. She declares, she professes that God is merciful. She writes, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. She declares that I've seen the mercy and that is what he is. That is who he is. I declare about the character of God, his mercy. This idea of mercy, this word mercy, carries with it this idea of goodwill toward man. Now, where have we heard that before? We, we, we read about the, the, the angels declaring to the shepherds the, the birth of the Messiah, and they say, peace on earth, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward man. The same idea. The angels aren't quoting Mary, though Mary said it first, what this is showing me is that in Mary's declaration, not only in his power and his holiness, but, but God's mercy, that she is in step and in rhythm with heaven. What she understood as she reflected on God, but this is God's plan. God, you're gonna choose me to show mercy? To, 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 to usher in the Lord of mercy? God is merciful. 
Mary writes in her Magnificat God's praises. She writes in her Magnificat her position, yet boldly stepping forward. She writes in her profession of the character traits of God that is clear to her. And finally, she writes in the last several verses of the Magnificat, the proofs, as if we needed any. She says, in all of these things, but, but let, me, let me give you proof. And she writes these words. Verse 51 on. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, to his offspring forever. You notice in these proofs, each one starts with these words, he has or as he. These are all verbs in the aorist or past tense. What Mary is doing right here is she's saying, I'm going to lay out for you what I've seen not only in my life, in my family, but in my, my, my tradition, my history, my heritage. Look what God has done. If you look at the character and history of God in our nation for the Jewish people, she says, look, he has shown strength. He has brought down the mighty. He, he has filled the hungry. He has helped his servant. He spoke. She's saying, look at all of the things that he's done. This is my proof. If God never does anything else again, look at what he's done. But she's really telling us, if God's done it before, I can have the faith to understand he's going to do it again. That he's faithful to follow through with what he's promised. He will bring to completion the fulfillments that we see and read in the Old Testament. And Mary said, what I understand in this moment, Lord, this is all about you. This is, this is what you do. Mary's Magnificat is so, so powerful. She has praise. She understands her position. She, she de declares and professes these great things, and she brings proof. And, and, and really, what an example for us. As you and I reflect on the power of this season and we look at what Mary writes, I want this to be a challenge to you and I. Do you, have you, will you? Spend time this season and, and write out, think through the glory of our God, the power of this season. Now, I, write out your own words like Mary did. Now, I'm not asking you to write scripture. You're not going to write a, a Adam's Magnificat. But I'm going to write on, I, I challenge you to write, some, write down somewhere your praise for God. Understanding your position, yet I'm in, I'm bold, I'm going to go forward. Write down your profession. This is what I, I know God to be. I know of his character. Write down your proofs. This is what God has done in me, in my family, in my heritage. I challenge you to write that down. Now, I know you hear a lot of times pastors saying this kind of challenge. Write it down, write it down. And what I also understand is not everybody will. In fact, you're like, yeah, it's a great idea, Adam, but I'm busy and I'm not going to do it. I understand that. But, but I challenge somebody one of you, any of you, take a moment and write these down. In fact, I would, I would say go a little further. When you have it written down, share it with me. I'd love to read and, and, and celebrate with you your, your model of, of, of response to the glory of God, to the season 
your praise, your, your, your position, your profession, your proof. Write these down, share it with me. I know not everybody will, but I challenge you to take some time. Listen, and as, I, as I draw to a, near, a near, near the end of this discussion we're having about Mary and the Magnificat, I want you to notice and understand one very, very clear thing in the character and the persona of Mary. All that she writes, all that she does, is to bring a focus on Jesus, to zoom in on the Savior. Mary's not out to, to, to make, make you focus on her. She's saying, look at Jesus. That's the word magnificate. It's where we get the word magnify. It's like with a magnifying glass. The challenge with this message, my challenge to you is this very thing. Will you take a magnifying glass and will you focus through the, the, the stuff of the season, all the, the fun and silliness, all the crazy stressfulness, all the pain sometimes? Because I know this season is not easy for a lot of you. For some, it's a very difficult season. But the challenge is this for all of us, that we would take this magnifying glass and zoom in, as Mary did, on our Savior. Because this season is not about us. See, we're humans. We have a tendency. It's all about me. My attitudes in this season are it's stressful. I've lost the wonder of Christmas because there's so many things to do and family drama and it's painful and I gotta be here and here and here and there's so much the kids get off school and it's not about you. Yes, I'm not playing light for some of this pain. I don't wanna make, that, make light of it at all. I understand it is true. But would you with me take that magnifying glass and zoom in on Jesus this season? Because that's going to bring the clarity of what this is all about in the first place. That's going to be the clarity we need to help us rejoice and adore him. Will you take a moment and magnify the Lord? Maybe you're here and you don't know this Savior. You don't know this Jesus. Can I challenge you? Can I tell you Jesus loves you? God sent his one and only son for you. All of the other stuff grows pale when we start to reflect on who God is. And maybe this is your season to bend your knee, bow your heart, and receive Jesus. Maybe that's you. In a moment, I'm gonna pray for you. But for everyone, I'm going to pray and I'm going to believe that this can be a season like no other Christmas season we've had because we take time to glorify, to magnify, and reflect on our Savior, Jesus. Will you do that with me? Will you bow? Let's pray. Lord, forgive us for losing sight of you. Forgive us for letting so many other things crowd out what really is the focus, the reason for the season. God, I pray that each of us would take time to reflect, to respond to you. 
God, I pray that we would begin to praise you, glorify, magnify, rejoice in you. God, I pray that we would understand that we were saved from nothing. We didn't deserve it, yet you came for us. But we don't stop there because what we say, God, is here I am, use me. It's not about me, it's about you. God, have my life, do with it what you will, what you please. I am your servant. God, help us to understand and and just define what we know to be true about you, that you are powerful, that you are holy, that you are the God of mercy. God, help us bring clarity in our hearts and minds of who you are, your character. And God, as we spend some time reflecting on the proofs, reflecting on the reasons, God, may we be overwhelmed as we start to think back at how many times in our lives you've shown up. As we write out our, our, our past and we, as we think about these things and how, God, you, you were there even when we didn't know, how you delivered, how you restored, how you set free, how you provided in such miraculous ways. God, I pray for each of us that we would zoom in our focus on you. God, if there's anybody who's with me, who's listening to this, that does not yet know you as their savior, with them I pray, Lord, forgive me, forgive us. We bow before you and declare your goodness. Come and be our Lord. Be my Lord and my savior. I pray that this would be a season where we all, Take a magnifying glass and zoom in on Jesus, the reason. And may we bow our knee in adoration of our God. In Jesus' name, amen.